Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. I know this episode is a little later being published than usual, but... Let's be honest here, I don't think too many people were running to their podcast channel thinking, oh my god, we need to hear what happened at Atlanta, because all the Atlanta races, to be honest, were kind of snooze fest. The Truck Series, Xfinity, Cup, none of them, hardly any passing, and Atlanta once again disappoints us really, really badly. But however, we're still going to cover these races, there's got to be something good inside these three races so let's dive into it let's first start off with the truck series race that happened on saturday afternoon all right let's check on some quick statistics before we get into it first off there's only three cautions for 16 laps and all of them were competition cautions no spin outs no debris no wrecks just competition cautions. So, whoop-de-doo on that one. Eight lead changes amongst four different drivers. In the end, it was none other than Kyle Busch getting his 60th victory here in the Truck Series, leading 102 laps of the scheduled 130. He is your winner of the Truck Series event at Atlanta. Finishing second is the number 16 of Austin Hill. Third place is the number four of John Hunter Nemechek, who, by the way, won stage one and two. Finishing fourth was the number 13 of Johnny Sauter. Finishing fifth, we have the number two of Sheldon Creed. Sixth place is the number 21 of Shane Smith. Finishing seventh is the number 44 of Ross Chastain. Finishing eighth is number 88 of Matt Crafton. Ninth place, we have the number 45 of Brett Moffitt. And right out of the top 10, the number two of Stuart Friesen. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside of the top 10, Grant Enfinger in the number 98, he finishes 11th in this race. We also have Todd Gillen in the number 38, finishing 17th, not the best run. We have the rookie, the number one of Haley Dagan, finishing 21st. And finishing in the last position in the 40th spot, we have the number six of Norm Benning. After 72 laps, it was reported that he was driving too slow to stay on the racetrack. And that is your final results here in the Truck Series event. For the Freight Auctions 200. Now, few things we can cover on this one. Not too many takeaways here, except for the fact that Kyle Busch just dominates everything in the lower series. He already got his 60th win now in the Truck Series. I don't even know what his total career win list is in the top three series. I know it's over 200. No shit, Sherlock. But he did really good in this race. Just absolutely dominated. And the only time he wasn't leading was usually at the end of the stages where John Hunter Nemechek, his teammate and his driver, would somehow magically start beating him in the final few laps and he all of a sudden would win the stage. A little bit of cheating there, but you know what? John Hunter Nemechek deserves the stage points because those will go into the playoffs since each win in stage equals one point towards the playoffs. So I understand why they did that. And speaking of which, John Hunter Nemechek, he is finding his stride here in the truck series. He has done absolutely great. I think he has won at least one stage in every single race. I think going down to the truck series for him was a really good idea for him to build up his momentum because I don't think he's going to stay in here too long. I don't think he's going to be like a Matt Crafton situation where he just stays down the lower series and just tries to go for championships. I think he's going to move up back to the 
Cup Series. Obviously, moving up to the number 38 car was maybe a little bit too soon for the young driver. Now that he's back down Truck Series, he's already running way better than he did with Nemco Motorsports driving the number 8. Granted, there's more sponsorship and financial backing going towards him, but now he could be in a position to maybe even go into a Joe Gibbs car in the next few years. Might take a little bit of time, but for now, he is dominating in that number four machine. Another big takeaway from this race is just basically how great of a guy the CEO Marcus Lamanis is to these small truck series teams because... He did the Camping World Challenge where he would give $10,000 to anyone who put the Camping World wrapping on their trucks and then he would pay them extra if they finished in the top 10, top 5, or if they've won the race. And he did it again this uh, weekend with the Overton sponsor and a lot of trucks that didn't have any sponsors in this event did it once again and it's just a great thing for these small teams because now it gives them an opportunity to get some financial backing and for the have the CEO come and do this it's really cool and he's becoming one of the top guys in the truck series because every driver every team is really starting to like him right now so he just gets all the thumbs up and all the love in the world. The last thing I want to cover is Brett Moffitt and his impressive run in that number 45 machine. I don't know why Brett Moffitt doesn't get an opportunity in the Cup Series, maybe like in the number 38 machine, because we've seen how successful he has been. I've seen him drive the number 55 car when Michael Waltrip Racing was still a thing, and he was doing really good in that car. Maybe not absolutely phenomenal, but he was still showing that, hey, he's not a bad driver. Being down here in the Truck Series, competing for a championship all the time, now he's with the O2 of our motorsports, not doing bad up there in the Xfinity as well. And then in this race right here, I think this perfectly describes how good Brett Moffitt is. They have an engine replacement, Nice Motorsports in that number 45 machine, about an hour before the race begins and it takes them 15 minutes to switch out that engine and they have to start at the very back and they still come back and get a top 10. I don't know if I've seen that before. I mean, they definitely deserve a mention right there because what an impressive job. Usually when we hear something like that, it's like, oh, hopefully they can get a top 20, but they were able to get a top 10. So hats off to those guys in Nice Motorsports for just showing how dominant they can be when they have their backs up against the wall. Now let's move on to the Xfinity Series race. Alrighty, let's look at some quick stats on this race as well. We had seven cautions for about 37 laps, so we actually had more actions than just the competition cautions. We had six lead changes amongst five different drivers. Really, not so much was going on up front. It was mostly the Martin Trex Jr. show. But in the end, believe it or not, it was the number seven of Justin Allgaier for JR Motorsports leading 47 laps, able to get the victory in this race. He is your winner and locks himself into the Xfinity playoffs for the 2021 season. Finishing second was the aforementioned number 54, Martin Trex Jr., winning both Stage 1 and Stage 2. First time he's come back into the Xfinity Series in 11 years, mind you, and he almost won the event. Finishing third, we have the number 20 of Harrison Burton. Finishing fourth, an impressive run for Noah Gregston after getting some damage early in the race in that number 9 machine. Round out the top five, we have the number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. Finishing sixth is number 98 of Riley Herps. Finishing seventh, we have the number 1 of Michael Annette. Finishing eighth, we have the number 11 of Justin Haley, ninth place is number 18 of Daniel Hamrick, and rounding out the top 10, the number 39 of Ryan Sieg. 
Some drivers to mention that finished outside the top 10. A winner from a couple weeks ago, the number 2 of Myatt Snyder finishes 11th. Finishing 13th, we have the number 22 of Austin Sindrick. Another driver to finish near the back, the number 38 of Josh Berry after running into the grass and just basically doing a pop of wheelie while destroying his machine. He finishes 38th. And then rounding out the field in the 40th position, we have the 0-2 of Brett Moffitt after getting into an accident near the end of stage number one and that is your final results here for the annual echo park 250 now again not too much really to talk about in this race yes there was a little bit more action both on and off the racetrack we will get to that in a minute believe me but the first thing i want to talk about is how great was it to see martin trex jr back on the racetrack here in the x fandy series the series where he dominated in the mid 2000s and then after that he never really came back he stayed up in the cup series and now he decided to do basically a one-off i think he's actually doing another race here soon whether it's in the truck series or x fandy series but still really really great to see him go down to the lower series and then do just absolutely kick an ass in this race but just wasn't able to pull off the win. And for Justin Allgaier to get the win, that's really great for him as well. Because I know how much that team has been struggling. I mean, JR Motorsports, we mentioned it last week. They are just absolutely struggling right now at the beginning of the season. Hopefully this victory and for Noah Gregson to get a top five can finally switch some things around. But for unfortunately for Josh Berry, he has just had no luck. And I think the pressure's starting to get to him. He understands that this is basically his last hurrah. And I got to honestly agree that this is basically your make or break moment. Because when you're putting top series equipment like this and you're not finishing out your races or you're not contending for a top five or a victory, yeah, someone else is going to replace you. And I think Josh Berry is putting way too much pressure on him and he's not able to perform the best that he can. Now, I'm not saying he should really doze off or anything like that. I'm just saying that you can definitely tell that's really affecting him out on the racetrack. So hopefully things can turn around for him. He has just had no luck. I mean, getting sideways in turn three and four, he has it saved, but then he just runs into the grass right there, and it just destroys the front end of his car, not able to run any longer. That's just horrible, horrible luck. So we'll see how Josh Berry does once he returns back into the car. I don't know if he's racing at Marnsville, which is two weeks from now. But again, part-time schedule. But so far at the beginning of the year, it's been a struggle. Him and Ty Dillon have just been really struggling here in the Xfinity series. And then the biggest thing that everyone was talking about from Josh Berry was, should they be changing the grass from sod to turf? That has been one of the biggest questions, just because for the fact that the splitters, every time they get down towards that grass, it just digs in there. Here's my thought on it. If NASCAR is going to keep their vehicles with the splitters almost touching the racetrack, at NASCAR-sanctioned events, I think it does have to be turf right there in the corners. If we're not going to change the splitters, then we have to change the grass because it's a real big bummer to see these drivers constantly going down into the grass and they slightly touch it and then boom, their day is done. I, I liked it back then when they would just go sideways, they'd lose a little bit of control, go down the grass, maybe get their car dirty, maybe a little bit of damage, but they could still come back in the race. Nowadays, you touch the grass, you're out. You're just out of the event. And most of us started to realize the problem when we saw Dale Jr. go a little bit too low into the grass and absolutely destroyed his car, and I think that was back in 2014. 
And ever since then, it's been the same thing. If someone touches the grass, boom, they're done. I mean, it happened to Chase Elliott in the Daytona 500 when he first started out in 2016. I mean, something needs to change, and it doesn't look like it's going to be the splitter. So maybe the grass needs to get some adjustments there on the edge, and maybe it doesn't no longer need to be sod right there. Maybe turf. I know how expensive turf can be, so I think it should be on areas where cars can potentially hit the corners, say like on the entrance of pit road, maybe in the corners of turn three and four, but I don't think it should be the entire track, but definitely something needs to change there. And then the Noah Gregson and Daniel Hemrick incident, where Noah Gregson backs up in his pits, almost hits one of the pit crew members, so Daniel Hemrick starts grabbing at him, then the haymakers start flying, both of them really beat the living hell out of the wind, but not each other, so they both got dragged away, and that was the end of it, but it was kind of really cool to kind of see that emotion come out, I don't want to see fist fights always happen, but to see drivers have that much emotion and care that much about finishing and also their pit crews is something that the sport really strives on, and a lot of people can really get tuned in just to see, you know, just a little bit of more action both on and off the track. Now let's focus on whose fault that was because if you look back at some of the video recordings on top of the pit box, we could see that Daniel Hamrick overshot his pit and went into Noah Gregson's pit stall. Noah Gregson tries to go back in. He's not fully in there. He has to back up a little bit more and then go back in. He obviously wasn't paying attention and he touched the front end of Daniel Hamrick's car where his pit crew was changing the right side tires. I think both in a sense, are at fault. I mean, Daniel Hemrick overshot his pit stall. It's going to piss off Noah Gregson, no doubt. And then Noah Gregson was really pissed off already about the incident, and then he just throws it in reverse, not caring about anyone else. So I think, in a sense, it's kind of a 50-50 fault, maybe more of a 60-40 in favor of Noah Gregson, just for the simple fact that even though you're trying to back up and get into your pit stall, you got to keep an eye out for those pit crew members. And... Even for Daniel Hemrick, he overshot a spot. If um, if Noah Gregson was right there, a little bit closer, maybe one of those pit crew members could have got hit too. But either way, it was it was very um, controversial spot there. But we all enjoy a little bit of scrappling that happens between the drivers. I think the Xfinity series should be similar to what the Cup series is as far as action goes. Because the Cup series, a lot of people complain that these drivers don't have too much emotion. They're just all professional and everything. Um, they they make sure they keep their emotions in line and stuff like that. I think if they had a little bit of aggression like these Xfinity drivers do, where we have a little action here and there, and they're just very vocal on what they believe in a certain race, I think more people would get attracted to that. Now let's move on to the big one. Let's move on to the Cup Series. All right, the Sunday race. Sixth race of the season for the best season ever. Yeah, if there's any more races like this, then that uh, saying is bullshit. But uh, let's look at this. Uh, We had five cautions for about 25 laps, three of them being competition cautions, and then one of them really honestly being caused by one of those cautions happening. So... Really, nobody was struggling as well uh, as far as getting around the racetrack by keeping their nose straight. Obviously, there was 11 lead changes among six different drivers, so not that many lead changes. It looked to be the Kyle Larson show, but in the end, there's the final few laps. It was the number 12 for Roger Penske, Ryan Blaney, getting his fifth victory here in the Cup Series, locking himself into the 2021 playoffs. He is your winner of the Fold of Honor Quick Trip 500. Finishing second was the number five of Kyle Larson, who won stage one and stage two. Finishing third, we have the number 48 of Alex Bowman, finishing 
fourth is number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Finishing fifth, we have the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing sixth was the number three of Austin Dillon. Finishing seventh, we have the number 17 of Chris Buescher. Finishing eighth is number 24 of William Byron. Finishing ninth, we have the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Rounding out the top 10, we have the number four of Kevin Harvick. Finishing 11th is the number 21 of Matt Benedetto. Finishing 12th, we have the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 13th is the number 6 of Ryan Newman. 14th is the number 42 of Ross Chastain. In the 15th spot, we have the number 22 of Joey Logano. Finishing 16th is the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. Finishing 17th, a really good run, was the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. Finishing 18th is the number 41 of Cole Custer. The Daytona 500 winner, the number 34 of Michael McDowell, finishes 19th. Rounding out the top 20, we have the number 10 of Eric Amarola. Some drivers who finished outside the top 20 that we should mention. Um, the Daytona Road Course winner, the number 20 of Christopher Bell, finishes 21st. The number 33 of Austin Sendrick, he ran a few laps down in this race, finishing 22nd. We also have Brad Keselowski just having a horrible run, not what we're used to seeing here at the Atlanta. He finishes multiple laps down in the 28th position. Engine problems for the number 9 of Chase Elliott there at lap 220. His day ends short, finishing 38th. And finishing 39th, due to a bad restart, the number 1 of Kurt Busch spins out and turns 1 and 2, finishing 39th. And that is your final results here for the Cup Series race at Atlanta. So, biggest thing, uh, honestly, that's the main takeaway, is the fact that this race was a snooze fest. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I fell asleep after stage two and woke up with about nine laps to go. There was hardly any passing going on. It's kind of the same thing that happened last year. One car dominating the entire race, except in the end there was a pass in the final 10 laps. But even then with that pass, there was really no action. Like they didn't hardly do any fighting um, to hold on to the lead. He just got around turns uh, three and four with more speed than Kyle Larson. Just goes around on the bottom and that's it. That's all he wrote. And... (laughs) That's an honest, real bummer. I I wanted more action in this race, and we just didn't get it. And Atlanta honestly felt like just kind of more of a second thought because everyone was talking about the Bristol Dirt Race. So it was one of those races that just really couldn't shine on its own. They had some other events going on after it that everyone was focused on, and the race itself was pretty boring. I think the track is just – the surface is just too old. Uh, we They were talking about it a lot where the tires were just not last at all. And it was a perfect example. Literally, you'd run eight laps and everyone would go down pit road because they had to change tires. That track condition is too rough for those tires. And they got to change something up because, yes, it is a iconic racetrack. But when there's no action going on, on the racetrack, I don't think many people want it there for that much longer. It could. It, it honestly felt like a Kentucky racetrack. Like there was nothing really great about it, and we shouldn't feel like that for Atlanta Motor Speedway. Atlanta has provided some amazing races we just haven't had in the last couple of years because these cars just don't really run well with the with the pavement on the racetrack. So something's got to change there. And honestly, there was just not much to to talk about except for the fact that Larson was super dominant and he is definitely one of the top drivers when it comes to mile and a half. I think the ones that are right behind him are Denny Hamlin and his partner, William Byron. These guys have been dominating every single race so far. And these guys have been like the head and shoulders, the cream of the crop so far in this 2021 season. Those three guys have felt like it's felt like they've been in the top 10 or contending for a win almost every single race so far. Now, one thing I do want to mention is we now have our sixth different winner 
of the season out of six races. So the question now is, it's almost, when are we going to see 16 different winners this year? Is it going to be before the regular season or into the playoffs? Because right now, the way it's looking is the tracks going forward, we still have some drivers who definitely should probably get their victory here in the 2021 season. I mean, Denny Hamlin should get a victory here soon. Kyle Busch, even though he's still struggling, he's looking like a contender. Kevin Harvick, you can never count him out. You can also have Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, maybe even Alex Bowman get their victory. There's a lot of guys who still haven't got a victory yet who can still get one by, before the playoffs begin. So there's a really good chance now that we can have more than 16 different winners. And maybe someone like Michael McDowell, even though he's doing really good right now, I wouldn't really count him out yet of the playoffs. But if there were 16 winners, then those guys have to really step it up. And it almost basically shows that it's no longer a win and you're in. You still have to perform out there in the other 26 races. And right now it's starting to look like that. I, You know what? I'm To be honest with you, I hope something like this happens. I think that would be so badass to see some of these mid-car teams get a victory. Like, could you imagine Matty Bandetto getting a victory? Bubba Wallace, maybe even Daniel Suarez and one of those guys. Chris Buescher getting a victory. That would be really cool to see, and it would feel like kind of like the early 2000s where you these mid-car teams, you wouldn't honestly want to count them out because there could still be one race out there where they could get a victory. We'll see how that goes. I know during the summer stretch, it's usually three or four different drivers who just dominate eight of those races, but we'll see. I Right now, it's looking like we just have a mixed bag of so many drivers who can still get a victory right now early in the season. One thing also I want to talk about is Anthony Alfredo down pit road and Eric Amarola. That was a scary, scary incident. And I almost felt like we had a horrible situation that happened almost 40 years ago with one of Bill Elliott's tire changers where a car was coming down way too quickly, smashed into the pit crew members, killing one of them instantly. That almost happened again in this race, and that would have been a horrible, horrible situation to happen here in the 2021 season where they're trying to get a lot of momentum for the best season ever. Uh, thank goodness nothing happened to those pit crew members. Um, I don't know if you can really do too many adjustments for this. I mean, I think the speed limit for pit road is still good. I don't think they need to go any slower or anything like that. This was just a freak accident that we're just thankful that the pit crew members weren't a foot more to the right or anything like that. But, oh, man, scary incident. And then Anthony Alfredo, out of all people, being the one there. He is just really struggling here at the beginning of the year. Again, that number 38 car has just been one of those cars that it it's okay in the first half, and then the second half, something happens to them. They spin out, they get into an accident or something, and Anthony Alfredo's been doing the same thing that John Hunter Nemechek was doing last year. But overall, thank God those guys were okay. I bet they all shit their pants after that one. I, I mean, if I was right there, I wouldn't have any clean underwear after that. But thank goodness they're all okay. Honestly, that's all I can really talk about these races. I mean, there it, it felt like a follow the leader kind of incident. And this has been a lot of the biggest problems for the Gen 6 car. When everyone thinks of Gen 6, they think of these kind of races. And honestly, I don't blame them. I mean, there was nothing really exciting at all. Hardly not many passing. I mean, there was a few mid-tier cars in the cup race that were running near the front. I mean, Matt Bandetto, who's absolutely done horrible at this racetrack in the last couple of years, 
he did really good in this race, and he made me look like a complete idiot, as well as Chris Busher and Kurt Busch, because I said Kurt Busch would be a good pick to go with, and he got a whole whopping, like, four or five points, because he got into an accident there. Just, I'm an idiot in fantasy, and Atlanta is a boring race. That's all we can really take away overall in this Cup Series race. Let's just go to the Bristol Dirt Race. Let's just enjoy a race that we haven't seen in almost 50 years. Let's just appreciate that. Let's kind of forget about this Atlanta race, and let's move on forward to next weekend. And that will conclude the final segment of today's episode. We will be doing the awards show during our fantasy picks for the dirt race, I'm going to delay that just for the simple fact that um, this one did come a little bit later due to some things going on personally that I need to get taken care of today. It is what it is, but you know what? We will still have that segment because I really do like that segment. I know you guys as well. So make sure to tune in on Friday for that episode. We will go over our picks and that one's going to be a little bit of a tough one because we haven't seen a race like this in 50 years in my life anyways, and I know for most of your guys' life as well. So I'm really excited for this race. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's going to be a wreck fest. I'm staying optimistic in this one. I'm going to be more optimistic than I was for the Atlanta race because still in the back of my mind, I thought that that race was going to suck ass, and it did. But you know what? I feel like the Bristol Dirt Race is going to be, at the very least, fun. So make sure to tune into that episode, guys. And above all, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. <laughs>